I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And welcome back to Rob and Nate Recorded Podcast. We've had a brief recording hiatus due to November. illness. Or the month of November, as Nate seems to now believe. Always something happens in November. Every other month, we can get together four times a month. That's fine. But every November, doesn't happen. Something comes up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but continuing November, because of the lack of consistency in November, or for whatever combination of reasons, we don't always get together four times in the month of November, we tend to just do something random. And previously, Nate picked a movie mm-hmm. for the month of November, and we've recorded about that. So it was my turn to pick. Yeah. And I waffled quite a bit on what I was going to pick. And I, I had quite the challenge for you. Because you never yet, that we've been doing this, surprised me with a movie choice. Because you always let it slip. Uh-huh. Or, or you give me options or something like that. I'm like, no, don't tell me. Don't tell me. I don't want to know anything. Because that happens semi-frequently with me. You'll be like, oh, Nate's picking. I don't know what we're seeing. And then I yeah. tell you. And then five minutes later, we start watching. Yeah. And I, I j- dropped some hints and clues throughout the month. I told him I was looking at Werner Herzog documentaries and other films. I told him I was considering Lamageddon. That that remained in the running till close to, to choosing time, much to Nate's chagrin. I was actually a little bit concerned that if I picked Lamageddon, Nate would go home and, and call in sick. <laughs> <laughs> but we had it. I had it down for a little while now, down to to two movies, and we ended up flipping a coin. Nate did not know what the choice of movies was going into the coin toss. And we ended up watching the 2021 film Finch, starring Tom Hanks. We should tell them what the alternate was going to be. The alternate was, I believe it's called Red Notice on Netflix, mm-hmm. with Dwayne Johnson, Gal Gadot, and Ryan Reynolds. Okay. That was the alternate. That was what was between the, the two sides of the coin toss. I was a little surprised that all of them were kind of new releases, streaming releases. Because I went back into... In my selection with Network, went kind of way back into the archives and selected a little gem. Yeah. I really... Finch was high on my list. Mm-hmm. Red Notice came onto my list a little bit later. I thought it'd be fun to do something current, because mm-hmm. most of our titles That's are true. older. Mm-hmm. So I thought it would be fun to do something a little bit more current. Though I was researching older stuff, again, with Werner Herzog. And I, I researched a couple other th- things, but the, consistently towards the top of my list was Finch. And then later on, Red Notice was on the list, and it was consistently in the top five. Mm-hmm. And because they remain consistently in the top five, and as I searched around, you know, nothing stuck out more prominently in my brain as something I wanted to watch. I'm actually glad that we ended up watching Finch, because Finch was always high on my list. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see this ever since I heard the reviews of it. This is the second time you have selected for us to watch a Apple TV, Apple Plus exclusive Tom Hanks vehicle. Yes. Uh, in both cases, things that I think were supposed to have theatrical release that were screwed up by COVID. Yeah, I don't know what the intentions were on this one. Yeah, I have no idea what the intentions were. But when I... The you other know, one being Greyhound, for the record. Yeah, the other one, yeah, which is already out, was Greyhound, which was supposed to have a theatrical release that was messed up by COVID, mm-hmm. for sure. I don't know what the intentions ever were on, Hank, on Finch, but it's hard to imagine that you put Tom Hanks in a movie and don't intend to go to the theater. You know, though it's pretty small scale for a Tom Hanks vehicle. Small scale since probably small scale since Castaway. Oh, which is a common comparison in the reviews that I heard of this movie was that this was Castaway with a dog and a robot. Yeah. 
Castaway is one of a large number of films that I thought of while watching this film. Here is a partial list. Wally, Silent Running, I Am Legend, The Road, The Martian, Twister, Castaway, Rain Man, Nomad, Short Circuit, and The Book of Eli. And I can see shadows of all of those movies in this. Mm-hmm. And yet it was somewhat something its own. Yeah. I mean, it's derivative. It is derivative of other movies. But I was overall, I was impressed with it. Nate, you were not excited about this movie. Yeah. Let, let's talk, Before we, we talk about it in, in, in depth, I guess we should say a little bit about the plot. So this, I, I somehow had the impression that this was going to be a different type of movie. I hadn't paid a lot of attention to this. I, my impression was it was a movie about a family that gets the grown kids to get their dad a robot dog. Oh, really? That's more or less what I was expecting it was going to be. And I knew there was other robots, and I expected it was going to be futurish, but I thought society would be functional. And it was, you know, it, it would have some of those... I think overdone apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic tones to it, but I didn't think it would be an out-and-out society's done, more or less, kind of movie. And one of the few things in this film that I thought was a slight mix-it-up was that humanity did not cause this disaster. It was a solar flare, wiped out the much of the ozone layer, and of course humanity didn't rise to the challenge. Yeah. We fought amongst ourselves. I was going to say humanity did kind of cause it after Mm -hmm. the initial causation, but yeah. The the IMDb synopsis says, On a post-apocalyptic Earth, a robot built to protect the life of his creator's beloved dog learns about life, love, friendship, and what it means to be human. That's the IMDb synopsis. So there's been a large solar flare that, as Nate said, has eliminated the... the, uh, much of the ozone layer. Yeah, the ozone layer. And so solar radiation is to the point that you can't be exposed to direct sunlight or you're going to burn up. Mm-hmm. And so Tom Hanks at the beginning of the film is wearing a UV you know, protection suit and trying to scavenge food. And the movie progresses from there. It should be mentioned that this story takes place approximately 15 years after the solar flare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a, a enough time for everything to be wasteland and for most everybody to be dead. Yeah. Dead. Well, and it's a, it becomes apparent as the story progresses. Tom Hanks was working. It appears at a wind farm. Well, he was working. He involved in some kind of robotics. Yeah, and he was in like a safe area when when it happened, like probably a clean room or something like that. I got the impression that he survived because he was in a remote area when it happened. But well, he, he says was, the good thing I was at work, and and kind of leaves it to. But you know, he he takes up shop in under an underground living quarters at at his work that he's kind of jury rigged into a habitable place, which is under. It, it a has solar all sorts of seals. Yeah, there's a wind and there's so yeah, but I think uh, yeah. Right. There's a, there's certainly a wind farm, but uh, I don't I don't know. I, don't yeah. know. I came out of the w- way with the impression that he was well. He is an engineer, but I thought he had something more overtly to do with robotics. Yeah, I kind of got the impression that they were using robots to maintain the wind turbines or something, yeah. and he was like the engineer that maintained the robots or something. But that's never made clear. It's never made explicit. But as the story progresses. 
you know, we're introduced to Tom Hanks' dog, and he has built this robot and programmed it to that its prime directives are to after not you know the original you know your typical robot prime directives yeah, it its fourth rules. prime per, per, prime directive is to protect the dog even to the extent of ignoring the previous three rules oh. so you know this dog is important it's not until much later in the film that we learn how tom hanks came across you know came upon the dog it was not originally his dog and tom hanks even for most of the movie does not want to call the dog by name because how the dog got its name is not a pleasant story. Mm. So, yeah, but Nate coming into this because of his previous experience with Greyhound told me he was not excited about Yeah, once you my told choice. me what it was, of the two that you thought, I'm like, I'm, I would prefer to watch this one to Red Notice. But I was like, mm, I don't know. So, what are your thoughts now that the movie's over? Because we have not discussed this. Wow, well, we were. We have, quiet. as is typical, we turned on the computer and turned on the recording. And have not said much of anything to each other till now. What are your initial thoughts? So we just had Thanksgiving, and I had had an early Thanksgiving with my family in Boise. And so for this Thanksgiving, I basically holed up in my apartment and I watched movies. And one of the movies I watched for Thanksgiving was Castaway, because I thought it was kind of a funny self-referential comment. I was alone on Thanksgiving, all isolated, so I'd watch Castaway. Movie holds up. At the end of the movie, there's that scene where Tom Hanks is back and he drives to deliver that package with the wings on it to, and, and meets the lady who doesn't know, you know the backstory with him. And I googled the, the, the lady, the red-haired lady at the end, and she's a lady that represents hope and a new future. She died of cancer in 2018. Wow. The hope lady is dead. In Finch, cast away without the hope. When it comes to a movie, there's kind of two things that can make a movie work for me. One, I love to see something I haven't seen before. Or two, whatever it does, if it does it particularly well. I felt this movie was derivative. It was 60% in before I felt any emotional stakes, kind of similar to Greyhound. I didn't think it brought anything to the conversation that I hadn't seen before. Like, I thought of a dozen other movies that portions of this had been picked picked from and assembled. And there was some sequences that worked. I thought that the flight from the hospital, I, I liked that. And the final story, because Tom Hanks is telling the robot stories throughout to, to teach it about life and humanity, that the final story worked. That was the only thing that really worked in the movie. The, the robot, I went close to neutral towards. Like, I never really, I didn't hate him but I never really liked him that much. And Tom Hanks is a solid actor. He, I mean, thank goodness he was here to try to bring some weight to it. And there's some moments in which he communicates. I mean, that, that narrative of how he got the dog was the one emotionally effective moment uh, in the film. But on the whole, I could leave it. I, I didn't think it brought anything worthwhile. I think you don't agree, though. I, I enjoyed it. I, granted, I'm a sucker for a movie with a dog, as, mm-hmm. you know, as a strong character. I can empathize with that desire to protect and preserve your dog. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know you're going to die, if you have the ability to build some something to take care of your dog, yeah, I can understand that. There's aspects of it, you know, where it is derivative. 
I felt connected to the dog. I felt connected to Tom Hanks' character. Mm. You know, like you said, Tom Hanks always brings, you know, skill to the table. And so you felt connected with his character. I felt connected mm. with his character fairly early on. And I felt for the dog, and I was curious where it was going to go. I think that the robot Jeff was intentionally not something you wanted to like until much later in the film. I think that was somewhat intentional. Some of Jeff's mistakes, you know, I think that those were placed there to some extent as a humanizing aspect, Mm -hmm. you know, which is also a terrible term to apply to a robot. But humans have been doing that for as long as robots have been around. You know, like you have to watch his development and his growth and him learning different things. But again, because I was connected with Tom Hanks and the dog, you know, we all knew Tom Hanks was going to die at some point in this movie. Spoiler. I thought that they ended up putting it basically where we expected it, but slightly different well, than I we expected it. Well, I called it about 20 minutes before it, at 15, 20 minutes. I'm like, he's going to die. I said he was going to die in the cherry dog's yeah. bed. Yeah. And he's going to take the dog to the Golden Gate Bridge because that was the arbitrary destination that they picked because of a postcard that also has a backstory that Tom Hanks' character had. Yeah. I thought that the twist of finding a somewhat inhabitable zone was yeah. was interesting. That is right out of the Book of Eli, yeah. where when they get to, I think, to the San Francisco area, you start seeing plant life, and that's exactly what happens in this movie. You see it a, it's a little bit further west. It's or further east. I mean, it's west of Denver, but yeah, it's it's hard to tell exactly where it was because it looked like they were somewhere in Wyoming, but that doesn't align with being well. Everything's been so smashed and everything's tundra now. Yeah. So when they were driving through Missouri, it was freaking sand dunes. Yeah. Because it starts out in St. Louis. Yeah. But again, overall, I liked this movie. It's not the strongest movie I've ever seen. Was I disappointed with it? No. Again, for whatever reason, like with Greyhound, it resonated more with me than it did with you for some reason. Mm -hmm. Can't quite put my thumb on it. Like with Greyhound, it was not... I didn't feel like it was trying to pretend to be something that it wasn't. I thought at the end, it was just really kind of piling on the schmaltz. And it was really it's like, okay, you've been kind of bored. Now you need to feel something. And I didn't feel like that was earned, and it felt really forced to me. Well, the, the, the thing that intrigued me the most about the end was the other things that have been left at the Golden Gate Bridge. There's so, much, there's so many messages that have been left there. I was like, man, there's a lot more people who have survived than is implied. Yeah, but those people could have been dead for 14 years. That could have been stuff from very early in that. But then they would likely, not all of them would have... They would have been more faded. Yeah, it would have been unlikely that that many would have remained there in that condition. Mm. So, to me, it implies that there's more people out there, and that's kind of how the story ends. Again, spoiler, Jeff tells Goodyear, the dog, um, you know, let's go and see what's out there. So, And you, you never see any other people in the movie, but there is a car that follows their 1984 RV for a while yes. when they go into a hospital in Denver for some supplies. And you can see that uh, like there was a bear trap set near a cookie. And so there are people that had been surviving there, and they follow them, but eventually they, the, the RV manages to lose them. But you never see another actual human being. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we're not going to have a lot to say about this movie. It's similar to Greyhound. This is starting to have a lot of echoes of our Greyhound episode. Um, where, where you liked it, and I'm like, yeah, it just didn't work. I didn't feel anything. Yeah. How would you rate this movie? 
it is competently done, and Tom Hanks is good, and I think if this movie had come 20 years ago before we'd seen dozens of films like this before, it would have worked better than it did. I'm going to give it I'm going to give it two stars. I'm going to say that it's fair. I'm going to give it a five on the ten-star scale. Maybe a four. Wow. Really low. Mm. Huh. Well, I obviously, I like this more than Nate did. I'm torn between that like two, two and a half region. Again, I don't normally like to give half stars, but I feel like it's slightly better than two stars, but not good as good as three stars. However, I would give this seven stars on the ten-star scale. It's It does... There are plot elements that clearly are drawn from other similar stories. It is kind of like a mesh of other similar stories, but it's executed well enough. And I thought, like, I enjoyed myself watching the movie. I did feel connected with some of the characters, and yeah, so I'll give it a 7 out of 10. The director is a man named Miguel Sapochik, uh-huh. who has directed one other film, which was a 2010 film called Repo Man that had Jude Law and Liv Schreiber in it. And he's directed a whole lot of TV uh, including the uh, famous Battle of the Bastards episode of uh, Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones. Yeah. Will the title of that episode get edited? No, because it's a title. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the writers on this are Greg Luck and Ivor Powell. Greg Luck does not appear to have written a lot of movies. This is the only one that it, where he gets writing credit. Ivor Powell has been a producer on a lot of movies, and this has only written one other besides this one. Received writer credit on one other besides this one. But he's been an associate producer on a bunch of movies. Yeah, I, I'm kind of curious about how some of these... How Apple came about acquiring some of these intellectual properties and how they have been able to get someone like Tom Hanks to attach to some of these. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, have, granted, Greyhound was Tom Hanks's yeah. own thing that he did. He wrote the whole thing. Yeah. I do have to amend what I said earlier about no other people. We do see the little girl in the flashback. Yeah, and the played by mom. Marie we- uh, Wagenman. She's only credited as the daughter. Caleb Landry Jones is the voice of Jeff. Caleb Landry Jones, if memory serves, was the guy in, in Three Billboards. Yeah, the guy that owned the billboard and yep. got beat up. But yeah, I mean, super small cast, super small production. I'm going to look at one other quick thing. Yeah, it's not going to give us budget because it didn't get a theatrical release. Anything else you want to say about this one? Rotten Tomatoes score 73%, audience score 67. Yeah, which is pretty well in line with its IMDb score. Uh, It has an aggregate score on IMDb of 6.9 stars. Much else to say on this? Well, I'm Rob. I'm Nate. And this is Rob and Nate Record Podcast. I think I'm ready. I think I'm up to it. I think my energy has been sufficiently sapped from gamma radiation poisoning or whatever. Yeah. So how much was your final thing influenced by your not being excited to see it? Probably some, but it just, it, the, the opening sequence is freaking Wally going into the, the by and large. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> it's like, I've seen this. I, I don't want to see Tom Hanks in this existential, depressing end of the world crap. I was Tom ex- Hanks is supposed to be optimistic. I was excited to see this movie, and I thought you might be able to get excited for mm. it, too. One of these days, I'll make a pick that you're actually like excited about. Oh, that's your challenge. Yeah. 
I mean, evidently, I'm struggling <laughs> at that. I mean, I've made other picks you've gotten excited yeah, about, yeah. but not in the month of November. Yeah. So, or necessarily in the month of December either. Yeah. So, or October. <laughs> no, you've been excited about some of them. Right. Like you were excited about Child's Play was fine. Exorcist. Yeah, Exorcist was really good. Yeah. Obviously, yes. Yeah. Cool. Well, and obviously, I've done okay in some other theme months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> 